All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, everybody, welcome to Dear Anger. What? Dear Anger, you heard us right. I'm Ed Krasnick, my co-host, Rini Jane, coming along in a second. But I will tell you something. This is a show that talks about our relationship with anger, how we deal with it. One of the most misunderstood emotions in the world, something that hardly a lot of people don't. It used to be fashionable uh, years ago. It is no longer. But that's why we're bringing it back, because it is such a huge gateway to other emotions, to all kinds of information about how to take care of yourself. That's what that's what we're here for. Who else to do it but the woman who invented it, who's my partner? Rini Jane has a wonderful organization uh, called GoZen, wonderful whole community, worldwide community called GoZen.com, which teaches resilient skills, science of well-being, all kinds of things you can use in your life, family, schools, everyone, every age, uh, through creative play and animation and you can go to gozen.com to learn about that more. Rainy, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or or good middle of the night if you're up listening. If anger were a person in your friend group, or maybe like an acquaintance, anger would be that person that's super mysterious that nobody wants to get to know. It's misunderstood because we don't spend any time with this friend, right? And this friend has so much to share, so much interesting stuff to say and to share, so many reflections about ourselves. We would learn so much about ourselves if we got to know this friend. We never think about anger like a friend. No, never, never as a friend. And usually something to be ignored and to be avoided. Oh, yeah. We're like, what? That friend? No. Sorry. See ya don't get you. But you know what people don't ignore? I'll tell you what we're going to be talking about today. What parents particularly don't ignore is when their kids say things to them that hurt their feelings. Wow. Now, Ed, you and I are parents, and um, we're not made of stone. Parents aren't made of stone. Feelings get hurt. Uh, yes. I'll, I'll, I've experienced this quite a bit. Yes. not Not because my daughter is like, doing things to to hurt my feelings but i've been let's just say i i have a friend who uh who has experienced this a lot yeah and, and what happens is it hurts you to the core it is something that you know it touches when this happens it touches a place that you know it's like it's almost like your inner child it's like it's like you as a kid that kind of hurt yeah and the things we're kind of talking about are i don't want you i want mom or I want dad, or I want the nanny, I want my teacher, I like them better, or, you know, I only love mom. Our kids, when they are expressing preferential tastes, you know, let's say, they go through these phases, and these phases are normal. Uh, And like we said, we're not made of stone, it can hurt our feelings. Not only that, we can get angry about it. Well, that's often the re- that's the reaction. The reaction is, and it's not even it's not even conscious. It's not even you're not thinking about it. You're not you're not even noticing. It's beyond that kind of thing. It's really like a little fire that gets lit somehow. Absolutely. So, should we talk about what's going on with us as parents inside that that is actually lighting a fire? Let's, please, let's please, go there. Please. <laughs> Why do we feel hurt when our our kids 
express a preference for one parent or the other, you know, or someone else in the family when they're doing certain things. So I want daddy to give me a bath or I want to be with mom. I want mom to say goodnight to me or put me to bed. So what's going on with us? Why do we feel hurt? I mean, I think there is the most basic and obvious feelings of rejection, right? We feel rejected. We're wired to want to belong. We want to be liked, to be loved, right? It's a wiring for survival. We all want that. And we feel hurt when we feel rejected. And, you know, I think we can all think back to a time and sort of fill in the blank. When I was young, I felt rejected when. Can you think of something, Ed? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, horrible. Uh, somebody I liked as a kid, a, a girlfriend. Yeah, that was a, it was an awful, an awful feeling. And you get and, and what is this thing where it's like a hair trigger? It's like it immediately goes to anger. What is the anger trying to do? Well, we're talking about what's underneath the anger, right? So right. in in the anger is it, what's underneath the anger is this feeling of rejection. What's on top with this anger is this protection, protecting your feelings of worth, right? right. I am worthy as a parent. Um, sometimes I think our mind goes to, oh my goodness, I do so much for you and this is what I get back, that you don't want me, that you're rejecting me, that you're not grateful for me, that you don't want to spend time with me. So I think the anger is sending us a message. Hey, you know, something is bothering you about this situation. And it's not just when our kids are saying, I want the other parent or I want someone else. You know, sometimes our kids are saying really hurtful words to us. I have in my own home with my own kids heard, <laughs> not just once, but I hate you, mom. Oh my goodness. That's brutal. I hate you, mom. And those can trigger anger. Those words can trigger anger very quickly, right? So it's not just the rejection. It's the on the surface, the lack of respect. So we're talking about what's going on with us, what's triggering the anger, but what's going on with our kids? When they're saying they want another parent or they're saying that they don't want us or they hate us, what's up with that? What is going on with that? And and why and, and also uh what can we be saying to ourselves internally that actually does something other than makes us have to like really yell or or be be reactive? Yeah, you know, this the reason that we are doing this podcast and that we're so happy that you're listening is because this actually takes work, right? It takes work to kind of work through what we can do, why it's happening. It can't happen in the moment. So this is outside the moment deconstruction of what our kids are going through, what we're going through and how we can you know, try to make it navigate through it a little bit better. All right. So having said that, let me first say that if your kids are yelling and screaming, if they're asking for another parent or they're saying things that hurt your feelings, I know this sounds a little strange, but it is true. I want you to ask yourself, do you think that they would say those kind of things at school like to their teacher, for example? Would they say it to someone they don't know very well? Would they say it to a stranger? The answer is probably not. And so the one thing that we can think about is we have created an environment of safety and security where our kids feel safe enough 
to say these things to us. They don't fear retribution of us abandoning them. I mean, so, you know, I think it's important for us to keep in mind that they feel safe enough (laughs) to say things that hurt our feelings. So that's the first step. Now, what's going on? I mean, they might not mean it, right? Many, many times things are said in a reactive way where when their anger is triggered, they have what we like to call fast thoughts. Their first automatic strong thoughts or often their first automatic skewed thoughts. These are the thoughts that they're spewing out. I hate you, mom, because you won't let me get whatever. And later they come and say, I didn't really mean that. We all have these thoughts that start darting out of our brain, right? And that sometimes we don't have the regulation to filter them out. And so we say them. So they might not mean it. So that's first, right? They might be experimenting. As kids get older, they start to push boundaries. They push envelopes. The um, They push the envelope, as they say, right? They Maybe this is the first time they've ever said something like, I hate you because maybe they are playing around with reactions. Maybe they are wanting attention and playing around to see if they can get a reaction out of you. So they're experimenting. We all do this as we grow. And even though it's really hard to let them experiment, we it's, it's much easier to lean into that experiment by not reacting than to you know resist against it. You can't say that. That's disrespectful. That's not what we do. Because they might just be experimenting with their own power, frankly. And they might be just communicating something else, right? They might be trying to say something else like, hey, I need help. I'm frustrated with the situation. Maybe they want you to know that they're feeling hurt inside. And so they are kind of throwing, boomeranging that hurt back at you. I only want dad. You know, but what I'm really saying is, is that I'm struggling right now and I'm really frustrated and I don't know how to say it. So I'm just going to say that to you. Right. So it might be many of these different things that are going on. Well, first of all, I just want to say in other shows, what I love about this show is that it is about other issues that anger covers up. So it's not about, you know, people hear dear anger and they think, oh, it's about anger. Really, it's about all the feelings that you don't want to feel, that you're afraid to feel, and that anger comes in as a protector. So the mess, the question is, what is my anger telling me? What is anger trying to tell me right now? That's because what's under it is what's really going on, right? Anger is a gateway emotion. It covers, sits on top of other feelings, as you've said. So, so now we have rejection. How does a parent deal with rejection? How does a person deal with rejection? Do we have any experience with this? The other week it was disappointment. These are like really important things that nobody ever says, well, here's how you deal with this. You, you, there's actually, there are actually things that you can do to deal with these feelings when they come up. You know, I think we really need to have some mantras, some little phrases that we can use to talk to ourselves, self-talk that will put us and anchor us and ground us and put us in a position where we can coach our kids through this. Because when we're the ones feeling dejected and rejected, what we don't want to do is turn that around on our kids. It's very easy for us to say things like, well, that really hurts mommy's feelings, you know, or that really hurts dad's feelings. And you can't say stuff like that. So you have to just apologize. And 
all of the surface level stuff gets taken care of, all the etiquette gets taken care of, all the pleas and thank yous and apologies and things you're supposed to say, but nothing underneath (laughs) gets taken care of. The root of the issue doesn't get taken care of. So when we have a child that's rejecting us, when we have a child that's spewing stuff at us, that's hurting our feelings, the first thing we need to do is reach for a mantra. This isn't about me. What they are saying is not a gauge for my own self-worth. I am a good parent. It's okay to feel bad about what's going on. I wish they weren't saying this to me. It's okay to feel disappointed, right? All these things I'm saying to myself. But really, just in short, this isn't about me. They're having a struggle. This child is having a hard time. They're not trying to give me a hard time. I'm a good parent. My child is a good kid. And they're having these big feelings. And okay, now I'm going to help them through it. We have to ground ourselves. If we don't anchor ourselves, nothing nothing is going forward. Well, Here's the thing. We all need mantras. It's one of the most effective things that you can have. It's a little statement that you can use to counteract all the crap that comes from your brain that thinks you're in danger all the time when when those messages are given. Now, if you and I don't do this mantra bands, if we don't create something called mantra bands, we're going to miss a real big opportunity here. They're little bands that you wear on your wrist. It gives you your mantra. You wear it. It's fashionable. Kids can wear it. Parents can wear it. It's going to change the world. I'm going to pester you until we actually figure out a a way to do that. This is the opposite of contraband. This is mantraband. Yes. 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 Until we have that merchandise, (laughs) I want you guys to create your own mantraband. Pick one that is working for you from what we're talking about or something else that comes to mind. This isn't about me. My child is having a hard time. They feel safe enough with me to express this. Even though I wish they weren't saying it, they still feel safe enough to do it. Okay, so we have to start there. Now, there are a lot of ways that this can go sideways, right? When our kids reject us. And I would love to play maybe the role play that we have to hear kind of a before scene of how things can go, not the way we want them to go. What do you think? Absolutely. Quiet on the set. Let's go. Dad, can you help me? Hey, babe, dad's not here. Just me. What's up? Where's dad? I need him. I don't need you. Well, that's super hurtful. I can help. I'm your parent too, you know. (sighs) Like I said, I'm looking for dad. I'm sure whatever he can do... I can do too. What's up? He's supposed to help me figure out my outfit for the dance. Wait, what? I can totally do that. Why wouldn't I be able to do that? I just want him. Then do it yourself. Fine, I will. Cut, cut, cut. That didn't work. Ouch. Ouch is right. Oh, so relatable. So relatable. We all have those things. It doesn't matter how what's going on in your in your house or with Pete, with your family. We all have experienced this, right? You've experienced it. Oh my goodness, completely, right? I, I might experience it on a daily basis sometimes. So we have this plan in our head, you know, we're like, okay, our kids are navigating through these feelings, they're experimenting with their words, they're maybe feeling like they do really want the other parent, right? And 
uh, we're like, we're not going to take this personally. That's our plan. We're going to say our mantra and then we get into the situation and there is just a spiral, right? That we start to lose control and the anger comes up and the anger comes up sending us a message. And if we are able to take, you know, some studies show that it only takes four seconds to transform and listen to that message. So if we're able to create that four seconds of space, then we can really respond to our kids in the way we want them to. But often (laughs) we just are not able to. And then we hear what happened on that role play without judgment. We're saying that happens in, in various homes, you know, and it's okay that it did happen, but there is a better way. So one of the things that we can do that Ed is just absolutely a master at is use humor. You know, when our our kids are rejecting us, leaning in and using humor can diffuse the situation and frankly help us make light of ourselves, not take ourselves so seriously, not take it so personally. Absolutely. You know, when I feel rejected, I say to myself, this only makes me stronger. I am more powerful than anyone. No, um, this, uh, you know, uh, there's so many different things that you can do. And of course, exaggeration is such a big one. So if you feel something, make it go bigger. Don't make it go smaller. And then you can play with it. And it's silly. And it, it really shows your kids something, too. You're modeling for your kids it's okay to be silly about things that seem serious sometimes. Sometimes you can actually experiment. That's what I was going to ask you, Rini. It's like the, the problem with a lot of techniques is that you wait until there's a crisis to use them. How would you practice these kind of things, even though it'll almost make it a game, where you do this so you can be in practice, so you can access these tools? I think a lot what happens with people when there's no crisis you're like, oh, good, there's no crisis. I can relax. And then the crisis comes, and then you're like, I'm supposed to find a mantra now. You can't do it, right? Write it out. Script it out. Be a screenwriter. Pretend like you're creating a scene. These things take practice, especially if our mind is wired to respond a certain way. Uh, it becomes automatic, right? There is automaticity that we have that that is actually really useful for us in our life. We learn to ride a bike, that becomes an automated process. We learn to pick up a cup, we learn to brush our teeth. We do all these things almost subconsciously, unconsciously when we're doing them because there is an automated system that has, you know, that's very useful for us so that we can think about other things while we're doing this other thing. Well, the same thing happens. If we're reacting the same way over and over again, that just becomes hardwired circuitry, frankly. So in order to break the habit We need to be able to consciously, intentionally script something out. So script it out. You know that whatever you're going through, there are themes that recur in our life. So if you have a theme that's going on in your home where your child is saying the same thing and you're reacting the same way, then script out a different way to do it and practice that script. That's one of the ways to do it. Everybody needs scripts. Everybody needs mantras. Everybody needs practice. We're all at the same level. No one is different when it comes to these things. But without practicing, you're, you're doing automatic behavior, and then you're trying to repair it afterwards. So yes. this is something we all do. We did the behavior, and now you're trying to, oh, I didn't really, you know, now you're trying to calm everybody down. And 
And, the, and, and then the other issue I wanted to ask you is, let's say you're a couple, okay? And one of the people has these reactions to this kind of rejection, et cetera, and this constantly happens. What does the other parent do? You know, one thing that you're doing is you're helping your kids navigate through their big feelings. And if your partner is not expert at navigating through their own feelings, then you can help them do the same thing, right? So one tool that we talk about on many different shows is narrating what's going on, right? So it sounds like you can use it sounds like and then literally just observe, right? It sounds like you want dad and you don't want me. Now, this sounds like you're just repeating the obvious, but repeating the obvious makes people feel seen and heard. And if your partner comes in and they are getting really triggered and upset by the way your kid is talking to you, it sounds like, you know, mom or dad don't like the way that you're talking to me. So what you're doing in emotionally coaching your kids you can do with your partner. It's not insulting. It's not demeaning. It's not condescending. It's helpful. And you're giving them the same compassion that you're giving your kids. It's really hard to do because sometimes you're like, hey, you're supposed to be on my team. You're already supposed to know this, right? I want to do this together. I want you to parent in my style. But that just might not be the situation that we're in. We are all a product of our experiences. And I'm going to say it's no one's quote unquote fault that they are just doing the best they can with the knowledge that they have. But if we're able to help guide them and coach them a little bit in a non-condescending way, then not, why not? Yes, this is, this is a huge thing for families between couples, a huge thing. And I would say that you can really, you can really help. It's very powerful to do all of these kind of techniques that, that Rainey's talking about. The narrating, just calling it out, because sometimes we don't, like, we don't call it out with rejection. We don't call it out with disappointment. We don't call it out with all these, these kinds of things that come up all the time. So you can call it out. You can walk it through. You can say it sounds like. You can write it down. Writing it down is often good for people because there's no, it, it doesn't feel risky at all. It's just sort of, you know, you're, you can practice for your narration. You can have a script, you know, anyway. A lot of people say to us, like, I don't know what to do in the moment. moment. I completely forgot what you guys taught us or what you said. And I would say in those moments, we don't always have to respond right away. We always think we need to respond right away and have an answer right away and recall some technique right away. It is so much better to take a few steps back. Do you ever, are you ever like have you ever been in a class where a teacher's like take one giant step back everybody take one giant step back yeah. sometimes i think in a family unit we all need to take one giant step back and you can just say to your family whoever's around i just need a minute to figure this out huge i need a second give me a minute the answer is i don't know give me a minute and that, that's okay uh, not only is it okay, it's it's a very, it's a wonderful way to model that sometimes you don't know how to do things even when you're starting to feel them intensely. And what you do, I mean, the, the gurus talk about this, you give space around the issue. Give space. If you love something, if you love someone, give them space around and let them have their feelings, let them have their thoughts, 
Let them experience it. You be there. Don't do anything. Don't fix. And you you come to you you will watch a human being come to a different place on their own. And anyone can do that. I don't care what you understand or what you know or what your cog cognitive uh, what your cognition tells you. You need a little bit of space in life. Little bit of space goes a long way. Yeah, I tell I'll tell you where things sort of get derailed in these techniques and in these processes, especially when you have younger kids around. But you know, it doesn't even have to be younger kids. Is the sensory issues, the sensory overload? So you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to take one giant step back, and I'm going to just say, Hang on, I need a minute. Yet in the background, there might be elevated levels of noise, let's say. They're screaming. Sometimes there's even hitting, biting, and other things. And this starts to derail your moment, your space that you're trying to create. So those are the moments where you really need to have a plan for yourself, an if-then plan. If I'm trying to do this, create some space before I respond, and my kids are screaming, and I can feel my body getting triggered, then here's my backup plan. We make plans for everything. I, I know people who have plans for their plans for their plans. I know moms, particularly, who plan you know, three-day vacations and have 18 pages of planned itineraries. So we're good planners. We need to make contingency plans for when we're in these situations. Okay, so earlier we heard a role play, Ed, and we talked about one of the techniques we can use is humor. And I would love to hear the mom in this role play using some humor. What do you think? Let's do that. I want to hear it. Okay, role play. Take two. Dad, can you help me? Hey, babe, dad's not here. Just me. What's up? Where's dad? I need him. I don't need you. I hear you. You want dad and not me. That's understandable. But he isn't here. So if you want any of my help, let me know. You can't help with this. I need an outfit for the dance. Oh, no fashion advice? I get that. I'm kind of the before on those makeover fashion shows. I wouldn't want my advice either. <laughs> well, it's not that bad. Oh, it's totally that bad. I'm what not to wear's poster child. I think they might have based the show on me. Mom, come on. I don't think that. It's okay, babe. I get it. But I'm actually better at helping other people with their style. So if you want an opinion. Well, I was deciding between the pink dress and this all black tux. What do you think? Cut, cut. We got it. We got it. What do you think, Ed? I love that. Oh, I love that so much. See, put it on yourself. Put it on yourself and be silly about it. Put it on yourself and they'll come along. Not only will they come along, they'll play along uh, quite often. And keep exaggerating it. This is actually a bonding moment. You've turned something that's a distancing, you know, a, a very uncomfortable moment into something that actually brings you together by exaggerating. And you are modeling being lighthearted. And I honestly think that can be modeled and embraced by kids. I actually did this the other day. I think I forgot to tell you this. 
So I was helping my daughter make her hair for school. And we generally just pull it back into a ponytail. That's pretty much all she can tolerate from me in doing her hair. And as I was doing it, and she's usually not um, self-critical when it comes to her own body image, but she said to me, mommy, my hair's so weird. And I was about to say, no, your hair is beautiful, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I actually think her hair is very cool, has lots of different colors in it. But I bit my tongue and I'm like, no, let me try to lean into this moment. So I said to her, yeah, your hair is kind of weird. And then she turned around and she said, your hair is weird. And I said to her, you know what? My hair actually is really weird <laughs> since I moved to Florida. <laughs> and nothing against Floridian um, hairstylists. But for some reason, every time I go to get my hair cut, it's uneven. So I said to her, yeah, my hair is totally weird. Like one side is longer than the other side. And then we both just started laughing. And I knew that that moment has happened in our home before where my daughter has said something, not necessarily about herself, but just something that wouldn't be cons- would be considered quote unquote negative. And I try to fight her on it. No, it's not like that. No, things aren't as bad as they seem. And they never it never works out for us. So I thought, you know what, this time I'm going to try to lean in. And it was completely a bonding moment, just like you said. I, I actually love that. You, you know, there's great, we talk about improv all the time. The techniques are yes and. You just say yes, go along with it, and add something even more outrageous about yourself. Let them see what it is. Like you said, yeah, my hair is weird. You know, it's amazing. It doesn't feel like it'll go well, but it does actually go well. And the more you exaggerate it, the more you're actually telling people, you're, you're showing people, your feelings aren't bigger than you are. You can actually make choices about how you respond to them. Yes, this is so huge. So I think that your call to action this week is to practice yes and. Can you say yes when your instinct is to, you know, to resist, to say something, to flip what your kids are saying around? Can you just say yes and lean in? And can you make it funny? Trust me, if you've never done this with your kids before, first of all, they'll be shocked. <laughs> be like, what's happening? Right. And it leads to humor. It leads to lightheartedness. It leads to connection. It leads to a coping skill that is invaluable. So yes, and is your call to action. Go big. Go big or go home. That's They say it in sports, but really, you can't go big enough uh, when you exaggerate, by the way. If you go really big, it'll make them laugh, but it also does two things. It gets the point across what I'm telling myself is really out of proportion right now. And so let me demonstrate that by being really out of proportion. And that's by saying, yes, that energy. You know, so many of the things that are uh, mental health related have to do with saying yes and not saying no and and not resisting. Don't resist. Accept. Accept. Accept what's going on. Give space. Accept. Let it flow, baby. I think it's time to wrap. It is time to wrap. Uh, Thank you for listening. Every week, a different uh, topic, different episode, and probably things that you've, you've never explored. I know I'm doing this show. I've done a lot of work. I don't think I've ever, like, really dealt with issues like disappointment, rejection, and, you know, these are the things that are underneath. It's the stuff that's underneath. Okay, so keep listening to Dear Anger and um, 
and and write us, tell us things, and I'm going to turn it over to Rini to take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys like what you hear, it goes such a long way to reach other parents and other kids and other humans, really, if you rate and review our show on iTunes or Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening. And you can find Dear Anger at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Dear Anger. Well, it's been a great show once again, and we will see you next time. I'm Ed Krasnick. I'm Rini Jane. We'll be back with another episode of Dear Anger very soon, like next week. Take good care. Thanks, guys. <laughs>